Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. And when it's done, the manager photographs the pavement in place. It's a done deal and uploads those and you can verify that the work has been done that kind of things. That's all a big help. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing? Maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. Welcoming back a previous best ever guest, episode 161. Holy cow, that was a long time ago. A lot has happened and that is a perfect segue into the focus of today's show. But first, let me introduce Jefferson Lilly. How are you doing, Jefferson? Joe, it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me back on. My pleasure. February 10th, 2015 is when your episode aired, How to Double the Value of Mobile Home Parks. You've been busy since then, I imagine, right? Yes. We have greatly improved the value of parks. We have scaled up now to have our own fund and are about to launch our next fund a little bit later this year, just probably another two months. We've been hiring on people. We've basically grown from being successful individual real estate owners to beginning to be successful small institution. We've been hiring people, putting in place systems and procedures, all sorts of things. It's quite challenging when you're a successful individual investor and all of a sudden there are no hours left in the day to do more deals the question is what comes next. So we are mm -hmm. into that next phase of growth. It's exciting. You know how to tee it up, don't you? That is so perfect. <laughs> that is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. It is exactly what you said. As you have become successful individual investors, how do you scale your company? Your focus is on mobile home parks. And I guess first, what type of assets value or however you quantify it do you have now just to set the stage with where you're at? 
Oh, okay. Yeah. We've got 18 parks, a total of uh, about 1,540 pads. We have another 700 pads under contract. So knock on wood, I'm banging my head here, Joe, but knock <laughs> on wood, we'll, we'll be at about 2,200 pads, say by the end of September of this year, 2017. That should make us one of America's 50 largest mobile home park owners. We'll be top 50 when we get there in another couple months. And we are coast to coast. We have bought both in Spokane, Washington over the last year and also in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, mm-hmm. We're 15 minutes from Duke and 15 minutes from Chapel Hill. That's a great market there. But 80 something percent of our stuff is still the Midwest. We're Wyoming, Kansas, Oklahoma, Illinois, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan. We're mostly in the Midwest where the values are better, where cash flows are cheaper than on the coasts. But we've obviously bought opportunistically on the coasts when we've come across deals priced more like they're in the Midwest. Nothing better than getting a coastal deal at a Midwest price, but they're not common. (laughs) You've built your company and you're the co-founder of Park Street Partners. So I guess there's one other founder. Yeah, Brad Johnson. He's my co-founder. His background was more fundraising. He had worked at East Dill Secured, Wells Fargo's real estate investment bank. He had worked at Advent and some other private equity real estate firms. He was a little more the finance guy. And then I had been in this business about seven years dedicated operating my own two parks, which I still do when we partnered up. So he's more the finance guy and I'm more the operations guy, but I still do some of the fundraising and he does some of the operations. So it's not entirely black and white, but we have our general spheres of influence (laughs) and expertise Mm -hmm. with our partnership. Okay. Now let's talk about the challenges you were coming across as you are growing and what you're doing about those challenges. Yeah. So basically where we got, I think, sort of by the end of 2015 going into 2016, say a year after I was on your show last, was that there just weren't enough hours in the day. We had both people calling us and saying, hey, we want to invest with Park Street Partners and co-own mobile home parks with you. We also had brokers and even some park owners approaching us directly with parks for sale. Plus, of course, we had built up from starting at at ground zero, the partnership, say, by roughly early 16. I think we were up to eight or nine properties. We probably had almost a thousand, let's just say seven or eight hundred pads at that point. And it depends in this business a little bit on what quality of parks you buy, but somewhere, say, between getting to 500 and 1,000 pads, you're going to max out. You're just going to have too much to deal with, with tenants or rehab or other asset management activities when you're investing back into the properties. There just weren't enough hours. So we partnered initially with a gentleman who actually brought us a deal and he helped us do some asset management. And then this year, we've now hired on a full-time asset management person. We found that was really both value add for the portfolio and also where Brad and I were spending a lot of our time. So asset management in our world, the way we divide things up is basically as follows. Managers deal with all three-figure issues. So that is, for instance, collecting $275 lot rent, calling a plumber for 150 bucks to come do a sewer unstop calling somebody else for 200 bucks a week to come and mow lawns in common area, 
those kind of three figure things are all with the managers on site at the property handle mm-hmm. four and five figure stuff then is like, Hey, we actually had somebody abandon a mobile home and it needs $4,000 worth of rehab. It's going to need new floors. It needs a couple of new windows. It needs some new paint or, Hey, we've got a park, a lot of potential, but we need to repave it for $65,000. So those sorts of four and five figure investments back into existing properties is what we call asset management. Brad and I were spending a lot of time doing that and trying to find a crew to come and rehab a house for $4,000. What Brad and I spend our time on now is six and really seven figure and up issues. That's mostly raising money and buying parts. So again, we've hired somebody to handle the asset management stuff. We can go into that here in a minute. We've also hired on a CFO, somebody who's been in the business approximately 20 years doing nothing but real estate accounting and investor relations. So that person makes sure that the numbers are right and that we're getting reporting out to our 120 some odd investors now we're up to. And then we've also just recently, a couple of weeks ago, hired a gentleman who's doing acquisitions for us. Unlike the other two, has no previous experience in real estate. He's a very bright guy, served our country abroad in Fallujah, other places. He's a Marine with a Purple Heart and an Ivy League undergraduate degree and likes to work hard. So we've got him focused on outreaching both to brokers and to mobile home park owners to help generate deal flow. So we've made three key hires this year and we thought that would make us less busy. And when other people take things off your plate, you do get more busy, you get more deals and more capital and and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. anyway, those are some three key hires that we've made to help us grow. I'm going to ask more high level questions, but before I do, I have a very specific question about the last hire. He has no experience with real estate, but clearly he's a (laughs) go-getter for many reasons. How do you train him to find deals and how many deals are you all looking at on a weekly basis? The latter question there is a great one and we are literally building our database. I think we're going to do it in salesforce.com or something like that just to treat each deal effectively as a quote-unquote customer. You log it in there. How many points of contact have you had with it? Is it a good prospect or not? When do you next make a follow-up phone call? What's the next step? So I don't have an exact number weekly, but I'm going to guesstimate it's a couple of dozen deals per week, Mm -hmm. something like that. So let's just say we're doing, we're probably clocking in at four or 500 deals that come across our desk a year, I would guess. But putting in place systems and procedures, (laughs) which we can talk about as well, helps us follow up with things. And I'm hoping in another couple of weeks, I'll I'll have a little bit better handle on exactly how many deals are coming in. And of course, what the sources, how many are directly sourced from a park owner versus what comes in from a broker versus what comes in from our own podcast. So we'll see. But having him on board and having uh, building that system is a big win for us. As far as the three hires, which one gives you the most comfort in terms of you not having to do it anymore? Me personally, that's probably the asset manager. Honestly, I wasn't doing a huge amount of the accounting. My partner, Brad, was doing more of that. So he may say the CFO for him (laughs) is his answer, but mine is going to be asset management because I was still getting calls from tenants about 
hey, there seems to be flooding in the street. What can you do about that? Yeah, or, hey, my tough. neighbor's making noise. Or again, the manager would just say, yeah, the guy in lot 17 just didn't pay his rent and just kind of seems to have abandoned his house. What do I do about that? Anyway, so having her on board is a big plus. I'll touch a little here on systems. We can do more later, but we use Asana and there are other similar packages out there, but basically it's a very fancy online shared to-do list. So now if and when something like that makes it to me that, hey, in Cincinnati, Ohio Park, lot number 17 is vacant, I can log that in assign it out to our asset manager. And then we have weekly calls and we certainly communicate really throughout the week, more by text, some by email, but we all have kind of an all hands on deck Monday morning call and we go through each of the properties and now things aren't falling through the cracks, or at least we know if they haven't yet been dealt with and we can say, Hey, what's the status of getting that house renovated? Do we have a crew on board? When will this be back to revenue producing? Or again, what's the status of that $50,000, $60,000 paving bid for the other property? And which one are we going to accept? And what are the payment terms? And how quickly can they get going? These are all things now that get logged in. And there's an app for your phone so we can watch all the progress on our phone. Helps us work better as a team. Again, now that we've grown beyond just having three, four properties and three or 400 pads with far fewer headaches to the scale that we're at now with over 1,500 pads. How do you spell Asana? A-S-A-N-A. Got it. Asana. Slack is another somewhat similar tool. And probably if you just Google Asana competitor or something, you know, you'll, you'll find a bunch of other. We like Asana. It's free for up to, I think, eight or 10 users. And we don't have that many yet on it but we'll certainly pay as we grow. But just having something like that in place to track everything. People can upload photos. You can upload the actual PDF, the bid for the paving job. Boom, it goes right there in that task for that property. Then when it's done, the manager photographs the pavement in place. It's a done deal and uploads those and you can verify that the work has been done, that kind of thing. So that's all a big help. What's the compensation range? You don't have to tell us what each of your people are making, but just what's the range for each of those three positions? I believe they're all at least on target to be six figures. So there's a bigger base and somewhat lower bonus, say 75% base, 25% variable bonus base for our asset manager. The guy that's out hunting down deals is probably the inverse. He's about 25% base compensation and 75% bonus based on what he finds. So that's the range, but I think most of these folks are going to be coming in around a hundred, maybe even 150,000, depending on how they perform. This is not quite startup stuff when you've got, like I started with 66 pads under management. I didn't have three six figure people on mm-hmm. the payroll, but we do now. What type of bonus or performance structure do you have with the CFO? And again, it doesn't have to be the specific structure you have with him or her, but just for someone who wants to hire a CFO, how do we put performance incentives in there? I think that's more just sort of, hey, like, are all the numbers, your job description is that, for instance, all the numbers for every month get closed out and are accessible to the partners, like, within the first week of the following month, and the K-1s get done on time that kind of thing. And then that's probably sort of a 20 something, let's call it a 20% bonus, I think. 
So that job is more cranking through numbers, whereas at the extreme opposite end, the guy that's doing acquisitions for us is really just going out, finding stuff de novo, new deals, establish new relationships. So we want him motivated to do that. And then he kind of like a broker gets paid a percentage of the value of all the parts that we buy from the leads that he brings in. Mm-hmm. Okay. As far as the asset manager, is that hitting a certain income or NOI figures? Yes, that's it for the bonus is basically, hey, we need to take the parks here from X to X plus 20% over the next year. We'll do that by infilling and or bumping rents. You figure it out, but you need to deliver this higher NOI over the next year. So that's principally driven, again, by NOI as opposed to goal-based things, which is more common for CFOs. How do you know if you're hiring too many people too quickly? Good question. We felt it was pretty clear that we had the need for this and that these were all full-time positions. We went about finding people principally by putting the word out on LinkedIn I signed up for a LinkedIn recruiter account, which costs 120 a month, and was then able to do very specific searches well beyond my existing network of contacts. And again, search for people at certain companies, people that had been there a certain minimum amount of time, people that had certain keywords in their job description. So we thought it was great. We also put out the word, word of mouth, listed, put out the word on our own podcast. Honestly, that didn't pull real well. It was really going out proactively and finding people and putting that ad up on LinkedIn. Plus, LinkedIn has its own computer algorithm that then generates leads for you of people that it thinks matches your job description. I didn't find that to be helpful. People were just too far off base. But whatever, that's fine that LinkedIn gave me some quote-unquote matches that I didn't think were great matches. I I mostly went out and looked for people myself. The asset manager, I suspect good asset managers don't ever want to listen to a mobile home park podcast because they want to escape that whenever they're not at work. They want to escape the conversation of having the local person say, it's a vacant mobile home. What do I do? They don't want to talk about that. They don't want to listen to that stuff. Yeah, you're probably right, Joe. And I guess had I, had I thought more clearly the way you obviously do, I would have not even bothered advertising on our own podcast. <laughs> so. I just asked, when do you know if you're hiring too many too quickly? When do you know when you should hire your first person? In this business, again, I'm just going to guess it's probably somewhere between 500 and 1,000 pads. Just be honest with yourself. When are things falling through the cracks? When are you sitting there saying, oh, yeah, I forgot. Two weeks ago, my manager told me that that mobile home on lot 17 got abandoned, and I haven't done anything now to get it back into the rental pool and generating cash because I've been too busy with this, that, or the other. So just be honest with yourself and think about what you're spending your time on. We've made full-time hires. We're actually looking now, I'll put an ad out here on your show, but we're looking to hire somebody to handle inside sales for us who will be responsible for posting ads on Craigslist also in local newspapers, and then handling the inbound phone call about mobile homes for rent. That's not quite a full-time job for us. So for that, we're looking for somebody, like a perfect example would be somebody 
with prior sales experience, probably real estate sales experience, but at least prior sales experience, who's maybe a stay-at-home mom and is not looking for full-time, but part-time, third-time, half-time, something like that is probably what that job is right now. So for that role, again, we're not going to hire full-time, but there are people out there that are comfortable working part-time. And then we'll just see how we grow. We hope to double to about 3,000 pads, basically in a year and a half, call it by the end of 2018. So that then person that we hope to hire over the next month or so to handle the inbound calls will either then scale up and can work full-time for us, or we may switch to someone else working full-time, or who knows, there's nothing wrong with having a couple of half-time people doing a job like that if we find two people who kind of want to work from home. We're flexible in accommodating people's schedules. Primarily before these hires, was Brad the one interacting with investors when they had questions? Certainly if it was specifically accounting related, like, hey, I received my dividend check. It's for X amount of money. I thought it would be more. Or I'm surprised it's so much. <laughs> I thought it would be less. We get that as well. <laughs> so Brad has handled more of the accounting and would answer those sorts of questions. I've done certainly, I think, my fair share of handling inbound inquiries from folks that just kind of want to know more. They're thinking of investing 50 grand or up to a million, who knows, with us. And maybe they've heard my podcast. Those sorts of calls tend to come into me because I do more of the podcasting. It does vary. But once it's really sort of an accounting question, Brad handles all that. And then again, Brad does handle his own fair share of incoming questions about, hey, what would it be like to co-own Parks with Parks Street Partners? I thought the CFO handles that now though. The CFO will be producing the numbers, getting K-1s out, and then handling questions probably more at the year end that are fairly detailed counting stuff. So our CFO will be handling more of that. So here's the question I'm getting at. I just wanted to set the stage to understand the lay of the land. So it's still in transition, basically. But my question was going to be, if you've transitioned investor communication over to the CFO, what, if any correspondence did you have with investors to let them know there was a transition? We haven't fully transitioned that over yet. But what we'll do is we're ramping up now, now that we have more time to do quarterly reporting. It'll probably be in the format of a recorded call. We're obviously not a public company, but we will do basically an investor relations call. We'll talk about what the numbers are. And then, of course, some other softer things, management discussion and analysis, like why did we make this acquisition or how big is our pipeline now? What do we anticipate closing in the next quarter? So we'll do more of that. And then that's a perfect time to introduce key hires and say, hey, going forward, if you do have a specific accounting question, here's our CFO's contact information. So I think all that will come into place probably for this next quarter. We will have those calls and we will formally and officially introduce our CFO. Cool. Anything that we haven't discussed as it relates to scaling from successful individual investors to a successful larger company? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about systems and then a little bit about financing. So also on the systems side of things, we now use Rent Manager to collect all our rents and do all our rent accounting and really beyond just rent accounting, the whole P&L that's in there. We like Rent Manager because it not only does the accounting, but it also interfaces with a check scanner. So Joe, this is brilliant. It seemed brilliant to me. Maybe it's old hat for you, (laughs) but we've given all of our park managers a check scanner. 
we never accept cash. But now when those checks or money orders come in, they can just swipe them through the check reader. It, of course, deposits the money and it updates our rent accounting software in real time. So there's no question as to whether the guy in lot 44 has paid or not. We can see that at headquarters. We can see the delinquencies for each property. There's no check in the mail story. It all just happens in real time. And then we're on the same page as our managers. So that's a big thing for our accounting. And again, just to then control, really have systems around controlling any vacant lots or vacant homes, those all get flagged by the manager in that system and we can see it property by property. And then we're also using a solution called Avid Pay, A-V-I-D Pay, Avid Pay. All of our bills go in there, they get flagged up to the right person to be approved. Assuming a vendor has a bank account and they've input their information, we can just ACH them their money. Otherwise, we send them an old-fashioned check But that just really helps with what was an otherwise unwieldy mess of receiving a fax from a manager or an email that, hey, we owe 150 bucks to this plumber, or we do now owe the $4,000 to that other rehab crew. Anyway, so we've got systems and procedures around our bill paying as well. That's huge. And then also financing, we've now tapped into the CMBS market. That stands for collateralized mortgage-backed securities. It's the fancy Wall Street money. It's no personal recourse. It's fairly low interest rates. We're borrowing 10 years fixed at about 4.6%, a year or two interest only on a 30-year amortization. So we don't do all of our deals that way. You kind of need to have a two, two and a half million dollar and up deal to really qualify for CMBS financing. But tapping into that fancy Wall Street money has given us a cheaper source of capital, which helps us to make enhanced returns for our investors. So that's something else we've done growing up beyond just being two guys in a couple of parks to being a a little bit of an organization now. (laughs) And just to clarify that the CMBS is for debt, right? Not that. Yes. Sorry. That's correct. Yeah. It's all for debt. We're still putting down 25%, sometimes 30% equity and then borrowing, uh, not always, but for our larger deals, borrowing 70 or 75% of the purchase price from these pools of debt that these firms put together and then sell off to institutional investors. Any parting thoughts before we close this out, Jefferson? That's been a good and intense overview, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I like peppering you with questions. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been great stuff. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? couple things. First, our website is parkstreetpartners.com. We've got information there for you if you're thinking of co-owning parks with us, perhaps investing in our fund, or if you're just thinking of buying a park on your own. Again, parkstreetpartners.com. We've then again got our own podcast, also our own LinkedIn group, about now almost 3,700 people sharing tips and tricks and deal flow on LinkedIn. And we've got the industry's first and only calendar of events so that people can just suck that right into their iPhone or Android device or what have you onto your computer. And it just lists upcoming trade shows and conference calls, that kind of thing. Um, Anyway, all that is at mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. You'll get the link there to our podcast, to the LinkedIn group, and to our calendar, mobilehomeparkinvestors.com. And why did you choose to do a LinkedIn group versus a Facebook group? 
Because this is more of a professional thing than a personal thing. And I personally find Facebook to be more annoying than useful. Got it. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Fair enough. I ask because I'm in the process of creating a group for this show and I'm debating between Facebook and LinkedIn and I just wanted to hear your thoughts. You let me know if I've made an epic mistake and you're like, no, I get 10 times more good leads <laughs> off Facebook than LinkedIn. You're such a goof, Jefferson. Do it on Facebook. You let me know. And then next time I'm on your show, I'll tell you then about how wonderful the Facebook is. There you go. Well, you got 3,700 people in your group. So I think you're doing something right. That's for sure. Well, Jefferson, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for talking about how you've scaled the business in specific ways for doing so. One is hiring the right people. You've hired an asset manager, a CFO, and someone who's heading up acquisitions, the compensation, the structure for that compensation, how you found them, and then the systems that you're implementing from Rent Manager, Avid Pay, and getting the debt financing through CMBS Market. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your advice again. Enjoyed talking to you, catching up, and wish you the best and hope you have the best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Joe. Bye-bye. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, on negotiating real estate. I've read the book, lots of good real world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire. Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.